0: Great start here. Clint Dempsey's going! And that's head! trying good. to find him. It's broken for Fabregas. Now it's Idiesta. This is it, it's 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 2-0. Mezzanazzi. He's looking for three goals. He's yes. got seven. Yes. So is Whiteside side here.
1: Oh, I say. It's amazing. Has it gone over the line of the back post? It has. It's three. And he has
0: There they are, looking for number five with five oh!
1: Hello Welcome to Football Fives, Stephen Chicken here. How are you doing, fair listener? I'm sorry for saying fair listener. I am joined by a man who comes from the land of ice and snow. It's Christopher Simon Nay. Nee. How are you
0: doing, Christopher? <laughs> not my real middle name in any fashion. I just didn't want to dox you. Um <laughs> oh, is it not Simon? <laughs>
2: no. Oh.
1: It begins with an M, so I think it might be Myman. Uh and that voice you just heard is a man who comes from a comes from the land down under. You are Australian, aren't you? Ryan Quentin Keeney, how's it going?
2: Hello, Stephen Chicken. Is this your, your first one steering the good ship football fives? It is, and I've already uh,
1: screwed up my throw into the land down under bit, but we'll breeze past it, because we still need to introduce a man from Legoland. It's Daniel Jeremiah Story. How are you doing, Daniel?
3: Yeah, Jeremiah's a bad middle name, and also not my middle name.
1: Yes, fine, thank Good. you. Good. What's wrong with Jeremiah? What if we've got loads of Jeremiah's yeah, Sorry, listening? Jeremiah's. That's one of the metrics that comes up. Like, if um, Chris will confirm, if you go into like uh, Apple Podcast Connect, you get like the demographics and you get location and you get how long everyone's listened to and you get their middle name as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, anyone with Jeremiah has just turned off. Thanks Very to popular
2: you. with Maimans as well. I don't <laughs> exactly. have a middle name. Do you not? Yeah, genuinely. Have we talked about this before? I don't know if we have. Why no, would we? Why, have? <laughs> <laughs>
1: why don't you have a middle name, Ryan?
2: Uh, because I was always going to be called Ryan, and my mom and dad didn't have a backup, so they just didn't, to be clear. Just to be clear, yes, Ryan, though. people
3: don't give middle names because they're thinking, "Oh, I don't <laughs> want to be too <laughs> harsh on the name we left out."
2: <laughs> Hedge uh, <by> bets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess Irish Catholic families probably do things differently, where it's like, yeah, we couldn't decide, and we just throw it in there. It's a bit Are easier sat- now;
0: we can go up to twenty-six middle
2: names. Are you saying
1: that we uh, we are just a bunch of indecisive Protestants? Is this what you're saying, Ryan?
2: No, I can only speak from my uh, background as an Irish Catholic on, on how we do things.
1: Okay, well, that is fair enough. We're doing a five-a-sides team this time around, uh, which is, I think, the 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 core tenet of Football Fives uh, and the many, many episodes we've done over the last year uh, has, been, <laughs> has been the five-a-side team. And... It's a very topical one. We try not to age the podcast too much, but we've got no choice. It's the team of the group stage of Euro 2020. We've had a lot of fun so far in the tournament, uh, not least when Germany looked like they were heading out. uh, And now, unfortunately, they are playing England. So what can you do? Um, I will go to Daniel's story first with his goalkeeper, please.
3: I am controversially maybe going for a player who has been eliminated from the tournament. Although I think if you are gonna go for a player that has been eliminated, it probably makes sense to go for a goalkeeper. And I'm going for Finland's Lukas Fredetsky, I think is how you pronounce that, brother of of course, of Greg, the tennis player. Um he <laughs> Finland weren't very good in this tournament, I think that's fair to say. My abiding memory of them is Martin Keon. Reminding me, for the fiftieth time, that Timo, Timo Pukki's championship season ended quite early, and therefore he wasn't fully fit. Um, but the other, the other abiding image of them is is their goalkeeper being pretty good. And uh, Rudzinski made fifteen saves, um, which was beaten only by the Turkish goalkeeper. So that isn't necessarily a sign of a team's quality. I think we can say, and he could do very little about the goals that Finland did concede, but. Yeah, I just thought he was really good. I mean, I I I I know of him from computer games. Uh he is by Leverkusen's number one. So it's not like he's been pulled out of Eastern European or Scandinavian football and no one's really heard of him. He is a, a very good goalkeeper, but I just thought he was he was really solid.
1: Yeah, they a bit of a um a strange start for Finland, obviously, which I, I think we're gonna come on to in, in a little while, but um yeah, I mean, regardless of the circumstances, I think we've seen from how Denmark have gone on that keeping a clean sheet against them was, was no mean feat. Um, and, you know, Finland have only conceded three goals in the whole tournament. Um, you know, it's not like they've gone and shipped a load like the Turkish goalkeeper you mentioned.
3: No, and he's um, they, they just had nothing up front. Pei Pe and Palo obviously scored the goal against... Against Denmark and uh, probably overperformed Pookie, definitely underperformed. But other than Tim Sparb, I don't think um, who doesn't always you know can play central defence, can play centre midfield. But I don't think I could name one of their midfielders, which is never a good sign at a tournament. Uh O'Shaughnessy played pretty well actually at left back, and he might be after a move to back to England. He's played for Cheltenham before, so he could be up for a, a move back home. Ish, but other than that, there's just not really anything else. And Fredetsky kind of made he's the only reason I think that they didn't do a turkey.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Christopher, who have you gone for?
0: I am going to make a case for Jordan Pickford, which is probably a slightly controversial shout because we're all supposed to hate Jordan Pickford and think he's a liability. But for England, I really don't think he is. And it's a simple case to make because he's got three clean sheets out of three. He has made a few saves, not loads, but he's made a few saves. Uh, And I personally think his overall command of his penalty area has been excellent. His kicking and distribution, which is absolutely crucial to the way England want to play, has been, as far as I'm concerned, pretty spotless throughout this tournament so far. So I I think it's a a really solid shout because there aren't many goalkeepers um, in the tournament who haven't conceded. I think the only other two are um, Donnarumma and Sirigu, who, share 270 minutes between them for Italy you can work out who's who there um, and Pickford's faced more shots than, than Donnarumma in the tournament as well um, and statistically he's doing really well He's compared to Donnarumma his expected goals from shots on target is higher and they've both not conceded so he's obviously beating that incidentally I had a look at this data and the um, expected goals on target and goals conceded are combined to give us a number of goals prevented. Anyone know who's highest in the tournament for that, for that number? So
3: statistically the best goalkeeper is this? It's probably
0: um,
2: the Turkish lad,
0: isn't it? It is, hilariously, Martin Dubravka.
1: <laughs> and his excellent, uh, oh, really? excellent performance yeah. against, against Spain. Lovely.
3: I, uh, the thing I like about Pickford in this tournament is seeing him in a kind of bizarro world, telling defenders in front of him to calm down, <laughs> which is basically the antithesis of everything we once knew about Jordan Pickford and also a really good sign, I guess. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think we're not really worried about Pickford at any point. Like, There's there's not been a moment where you think, oh, he got away with one there or anything where it's like, oh, you know, I wish he'd stopped kicking it out for throw-ins or anything like that. Like, He's just been... Fine, like you've you've barely had to notice who the England goalkeeper is, and I think weirdly that is a bit of a compliment to the man who it actually is.
0: The saves he has made have been crucial as well. You know, there there have been times when England have been a little bit under the cosh in some of these games. You think particularly against Scotland, where he had to get down very quickly to make a save at a crucial point in the game that could have completely changed things. So when called upon
2: he's been able to do the shot-stop a bit as well.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Ryan, who have you
2: gone for? Um, I've gone for Kasper Schmeichel, um, oddly, who hasn't made all that many saves, didn't keep a clean sheet through the group stages, um, and but I think has been crucial or, or hugely important to, to Denmark. Um, recovering from the events of the, the first game, I think it, it fails so long ago because... football and and the matches are coming thick and fast that it feels so long ago that you know um, everybody was talking about how football doesn't really matter and and I think all four of us can agree that it it doesn't in the grand scheme of the world and everything going on Um, and watching Christian Eriksen collapsing and the way that a number of the leading or kind of uh, the elder statesmen of that Danish squad reacted um, and have reacted since um, has been pretty uh, pretty impressive. Um, way more impressive than I think how I would have handled any kind of situation. And I, there is a part of me, I think, after that game restarted in the manner that it did on, on uh, the Saturday evening, Denmark lost. I, I was anticipating they were going to go out of, of the European Championships. There was a bit of a whimper and, and just because of that, those shocking scenes and, and seeing one of your teammates um, in that condition. So Schmeichel fronting up with the press and and doing as much media as he did talking about the situation and being um you know generally all round human being i think is kind of what gets him into my five side team for this that yeah it's just it, it feels really strange that that happened in this tournament and that you know that happened only 12 13 days ago um and yet we are we're now looking ahead to the knockout stages and and, and a little bit moved on from it yeah, thankfully. I mean, obviously,
1: the outcome was as good as it could have been because, you know, it was... It's. I don't think it's something we need to dwell on for too long uh, because everyone, I think, shares the same feeling uh, that that obviously everyone wants the best for Christian Eriksen. Everyone is full of praise for the way the Danish players handled that, the way, that you know, the officials handled it. Um and I think even the decision to go ahead with the game that night, um, which seems strange at the time and doesn't seem any less strange as time has gone on, but even that is kind of forgivable, almost as a well, what do you do? You know, I think, I think most, uh, I don't think it's just football that would struggle with something as unexpected and and thankfully not not. Well, not entirely unprecedented, but largely unprecedented kind of turn of event. And um, but on on Schmeichel personally, but unless anyone else has anything else to add about the Ericsson,
3: no, no, situation. no, you, you crack on, Master Lord.
1: <laughs> I could get used to that. Um, yeah, I think Schmeichel's obviously he's been around for years, hasn't he? He's been around in the English game since he was, you know, captured on film playing with. Tom Ince as a as a toddler kind of thing, and um, he's he's just become a very good Premier League goalkeeper, and we know that he's very reliable.
3: He, I, I think there was a stage, and I think it occasionally you still see it where he has a a Jordan Pickford moment. In that, I don't think it's any flaw in their personality or goalkeeping, but they just feel like they need to be involved. They need to kind of, maybe for themselves, need to kind of stamp their authority on a game. I think occasionally he he lets that get to him a little bit, but in complete flip side to that, if there was one incident that was going to make him, kind of push him off his game and unnerve him, it would have been that Christian Eriksson, you know, that horrible Christian Eriksson. And yet, in fact, that brought out the best of him as a... As a kind of a leader of that team in his actions afterwards. So absolutely fair. went hugely up in my estimation after it.
0: Worth a shout for the actual leader in that team as well, Simon Kier, who I don't think anybody has listed yeah. as a defender here, whose um conduct in the aftermath of that was just sensational as well. Yeah, and he's played really was. well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean people have people have been praising high heaven and rightly so. Um but he did have a duty of Kier to be fair. <laughs> oh, God Cut that, Chris. Uh, Nope. Uh, Won't be cutting that. uh, Cool. Good thing to joke about. Um, (laughs) I've got Kasper Schmeichel's Leicester City teammate, the Huddersfield Town legend Danny Ward. Not that one. Uh, in fact, no, I suppose for most people he would be that one. Uh, yeah, the the goalkeeper who was who was obviously at the John Smith Stadium uh, during their 2016-17 promotion season was was the hero in the penalty shootout and uh, and did fantastically well while I was at Huddersfield. And I'm not bringing that up just out of my own loyalties, but because that is the last time he played league football um, was in that playoff final in 2017. He's, he's sat on the bench at, at Leicester ever since. And... For all we've talked about how excellent Michael has, has been and how steady he's been over the past few years, I think there's a few people, including a fair few Leicester fans, who have watched Danny Ward playing for Wales uh, slightly unexpectedly in ahead of Wayne Hennessy and gone, wow, he's... He's worth a run in the team. He's better than sitting in our on our bench. Um, you know, Dan brought up earlier the goalkeepers that have made more saves than Fradsky, and it's only the the Turkish goalkeeper. He's conceded eight goals. Fredeski conceded three, and next on the list for making saves is Ward, and he's only conceded the two. Um, he was the man of the match in Wales his opening game, and I, I think he's he's not really put a foot wrong this tournament.
0: Yeah, it's worth saying as well. He's the game. It, in which he didn't concede. It seems obvious um, to say that that was his his better game, but he really stood out in that that middle game to me um, where Gareth Bale came to the fore, Aaron Ramsey came to the fore, um, Conor Roberts obviously scored the goal at the end, but Ward was such a huge influence on keeping that clean sheet and keeping that win, which, let's not forget, was tied up very, very late.
1: Yeah, it was a nervy game. That was one of my... That was one of my favourite games of the tournament so far. Actually, I thought that was like, it wasn't massive on quality, but it was such a sort of uh, a lot of knockabout fun. It was it was good crack. I think you'd say.
3: I am happy to be if we're if we're making our choice. I am happy to be persuaded out of mine towards Danny Ward. So, any other shouts for
0: Ward?
2: I could get more uh, I'll, t- I will, I'll take Ward over anything to do with England. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think probably largely on the strength of purely having to make saves compared to Pickford and on that game against Turkey, where it, it's very rare that a goalkeeper won't actually sort of really catch you right in a game. And I sat down and thought, Danny Ward's having a great game here.
1: He was superb in the opening game as well. Right, I think it is Ward then. Uh, he goes into the team and we are on to defenders. I'll start with you this time, Ryan Keeney.
2: Um, about 20, 25 minutes into the the their first game, the Netherlands' first game on Sunday night, I uh, shared an opinion on WhatsApp with you, with everybody in the Football 5's chat, um, all five of us, that uh, Denzel Dumfries was going to be the defender who looks absolutely brilliant during Euro 2020 gets himself a move somewhere and probably has a season um where he struggles to settle in or or turns out to be not as good um as we first thought. And then he went on to score the third and the and the winner um, in a game where the Netherlands yeah, looked pretty good, threatened to Netherlands up the game against uh the Ukraine and then managed to pull a win out. Um, he's added another goal in the two 0 win against Austria and just looked like the rampaging right back that, you know, very uh, well, quite a few teams in Europe and, and particularly a lot of the, the top teams would really want. Um, there were his first two international goals. I am, have no kind of... I have no frame of reference for him other than this tournament. And I haven't seen him play for BSV before or, or certainly not knowingly. But he looks so good and just everything you want from a, a right back. It, he plays high up the field. His passing has been pretty good. He's looked Okay, defensively and kind of in the system that the, the Dutch are playing, that's fine because he's got cover and he's got somebody supporting. Um, so yeah, Denzel Dumfries has been has been a revelation, um, at least in my footballing universe. He won their penalty as well, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, I was trying. Yeah, it's not. I was looking through the, the data because I had that in my head, and then I I couldn't be sure that he's because it's not gone down as an official assist. But yeah, his uh, his FedEx performance score is good. On the official Euro 2020 website,
3: he always delivers better than the other joke, which may or may not have been heard.
1: Yeah, that'll be heard.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dental Dumfries does sound like he's from like a Wesley Snipes film in the, the early 90s. He sounds like a, a, a henchman of some kind. Um, Chris, who have you gone for? Uh,
0: if in doubt, Leonardo Bonucci. That's my. Starting point for (laughs) any question about football is Leonardo Bonucci. And if he doesn't prove me wrong, then I'm always going to pick him. Um, I think given Italy's clean sheet to date in the tournament and the fact that he's had to kind of step out of the considerable shadow of Giorgio Chiellini, who has been injured, um, we've seen Bonucci, the serious leader, as well as Bonucci, the brilliant long passer, which is my favourite part of his game and always has been. Um, so I've just always loved watching him play. I always loved watching him play on the ball as much as defending. Um, and there's just something comfortable about watching him play in, 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 uh, in Italy defence. You just know. You, you know they're safe as houses. And that's with or without Chiellini beside him. So th- There are star players in that Italy team. Some of them will get mentioned in this episode and some of them won't be. But the guy I always look out for in the absence of Daniele De Rossi is benucci because he's everything I want in a modern Italian defender. And he's gone in there, clean sheets across the board, played two and a half games so far, taken out to rest in the, the last half of the group. Um, and statistically, he's, he's hardly the pick of the bunch in this competition he hasn't won a tackle but lazy lazy yeah exactly um, but everything about watching him play just fills me with joy
1: clean shorts defender isn't he so like I think this, the tackle thing maybe isn't that surprising
0: yeah yeah very much so
1: yeah um, well not your shorts obviously aren't clean from the way you're talking about him but you know his oh, are. I, I rarely um, wear
0: shorts or anything else when I'm watching Italy
1: <laughs> um, I think, I mean, we'll talk plenty more about Italy, but just talk about them defensively. It's it's only them and England that have not conceded a goal yet this tournament. And I think they have, you know, England have looked a bit more like conceding one at times than, than Italy have. Um, I think Italy... For me, the team of the tournament so far. Um, They look like the team to beat based on the evidence of the group stage. Uh, Although, obviously, you know some some teams have had stronger groups than than they've come up against so far. But
0: um, yeah, let's be fair; they've pissed it so far.
1: Oh, they absolutely have. I mean, they've been. I mean, we'll get onto it when we get into the midfielders. But um, I mean, just while I've noted that, I think it's interesting spoilers that none of us have an England defender, uh, despite they've not conceded a goal. Is is that? Just because they've rotated it so much is, you know, because we've had Maguire out and then in, and Mings in and then out, and the fullbacks have, have changed. Um, did did any give any thought to John Stones at all? Perhaps I,
3: I haven't because uh, I mean, maybe it's partly kind of reverse bias in that you you feel like if you pick an England defender, they'll immediately drop a <laughs> clangor and and we'll lose. But I, I I think England have been much more without getting too wanky about it, much more kind of system-based in the defending, in that they've basically employed the two midfielders in front of them to stop any huge danger. Uh, Pickford, the reason Pickford hasn't got into this team is, and the reason Chris even nominated him is because of the other things, the distribution and the kind of commanding awareness, Um, because they have been very well protected by those midfielders. And yet, because... England is England and everyone's being very negative those those two midfielders have come in for some stick for doing that because people would rather us be more expansive and I, I understand that but I think the defence has actually been really well protected I thought Mings was our best defender for the first couple of okay. games although I can completely understand why Maguire comes back in as a kind of I think it was year 2004 where Ledley King played well until Terry was fit and then Terry came in it's similar to that you pick your best defenders I've got no issue with that but Mings I thought was the best
0: yeah I think I've, I would be tempted to have put Mings in. I've got a sort of mental um barrier to anybody who's played only two games a little bit here unless there's like a really good reason why not. Um and also coming forward here with a a villa defender would be a little bit predictable. But I thought <laughs> it was really solid. But I, I think that's that's <laughs> probably the word for it with, with both him and Stones. Obviously the fullbacks have changed a little bit more, but both him and Stones have just done their jobs to a decent standard they haven't been really tested i don't think for the reasons dan's outlined
1: yeah exactly i I don't think it was too wanky actually dan because yeah i think just that whole sort of that five that that central five um as a unit have just been all good and i feel like they've just been operating well as a team rather than it being sort of one outstanding player making loads of goal line blocks and clearances and so on um dan who is your pick while you were
3: I've I've on. also gone with an Italian. Um, I guess we have a chance in this team to throw a, an attacking fullback or a wing-back through into maybe into the third spot as well, depending on how we look at the team. But I've gone for uh, Leonardo Spinazzola, who is not a player I knew an awful lot about. I mean, I knew he played for Roma, and I, I don't watch much Serie A football anymore. Um, but he's been a revelation. as this? rampaging wing back different to Denzel Dumfries in that he's he's not as quick and he's a a kind of he looks like more of a midfielder than Denzel Dumfries you can see that Dumfries is a full back is he's a you know he's a, a bit of a unit as well but just gives them such an outlet down that left and allows whether it's Berardi or Insigne who has ever, who or whoever is playing out in that kind of inside left position to just drift in field and yeah, you know, he hasn't scored, he hasn't got an assist, but he he just seems to make that team tick, and I also think he's a, a pretty good personification of this Italy team under Mancini in that um he he is intent to push forward even when the team is one nil up, even when the team's two nil up. And, you know, he's not necessarily a household name. You know, he's not a Gianluca Zambrotta. He is a you know, Roma are a big club, but they're not a, a club that plays in the Champions League that much anymore. So yeah, I just think he's been an absolute revelation.
2: Mourinho's going to break him.
3: Yeah, that is too. Actually, I'd, I'd, I'd completely missed that point. That yeah, Mourinho probably won't play with wing backs, so it'd be interesting how he fits him in.
1: Yeah, he's he's, he's a strange one because he's right footed, isn't he? Yeah, despite yeah. sort of playing on the left, and um, and Italy have they're, they're kind of lopsided. with Their fullbacks they've had uh, Di Lorenzo, I think, generally on the other side. Although obviously they rotated against Turkey, um, and um, and he's a lot more sort of he sits back a lot more he may, he has a lot more of the play in his own half which sort of gives Spinazola the the license to get forward it's it's almost the one goes and one stays except it's always the same one um, and uh, yeah he's uh, he's been very eye-catching mm. off that left
0: side he was excellent against Turkey and he, Dan makes a really interesting point about the tactics of it because he does create the space for Insigne who would, by the way is my sixth man or very close to it um but because he is right-footed they have the option of playing together in field which was really effective in that first game so it's, it's not just a space creator and he's not just getting up there and cutting in and doing whatever he, he then plays with the wide forwards and he yeah. does a well, fantastic yeah. job for them
1: and he, he's not afraid to just stick wide when he needs to either like yeah. when I was look you know I think it's quite popular to talk about your, your false tens at the moment and way Man City do it and you know even Huddersfield Town have had Pippa doing it sort of last last year and um and he's he's not always doing that actually Uh, I think because you've got Insigne who likes to cut inside necessarily you need to have a player who sort of is willing to go on the outside as well and I think he picks his moments and picks his spots really really well um for mine I've got Matisse Delict um and he is I mean it's it's Based mostly on the stats, to be honest, um, because you look at—I mean, he, he missed the game against Ukraine for inst- uh, for, for, big, for starters. So the two goals that Netherlands have conceded, he wasn't on the pitch for. They've not conceded with him in the team. He's not been dribbled past this tournament. He's making tackles at a decent rate for a good side. Uh, he's making shed loads of clearances. He's just looking very solid, and you know, he's he's it's. Remarkable to think that he, this is a player who we're talking about, who is, you know, he'll be over thirty caps the Netherlands before this tournament is finished. He's played for Ajax, you know, seventy-seven league games for Ajax, fifty-six league games for Juventus, and he's still only twenty-one. Um, and you know, he is just living up to his track record of just being extremely, you know, solid and complete, and not really having a floor in his game.
3: Yeah, he it, he, he's a weird one, in That I, I, as I say, I haven't watched a huge amount of of CR football, but he hasn't. I think the reviews there are are complimentary, but they're not necessarily wow yet. He's he's got he's got that thing that every twenty one
1: year old defender has, where he will make a a gaff every now and mm. then, hasn't he? Like a, a silly a silly error that makes him look. Um, makes him look very daft indeed.
3: Yeah, and uh, but he seems to have this ability to step up whenever the Netherlands need him, and they have been, they have been excellent in this tournament. After that, you know, bar a twenty-minute wobble against Ukraine, uh, and all credit to them having suffered that wobble, they they kind of immediately went down the end and and won the game. Apart from that, they've been they've been pretty good, and they are in a, they're also in a the good half of the draw. With a, a really nice run potentially to the semi finals. So, yeah, he, he, he can still grow in the tournament, I guess, is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: who are we going for then? We've got Dumfries, Spinucci, Spinazzola, and Delict.
0: I think we have a tactical decision to make, personally. I think <laughs> like we're a talking. a proper defender. I, I think it's Delict as a proper defender or Spinazzola as the outstanding candidate. And I would like, therefore, to propose that we put them both on hold and decide when we go for whether or not my defender gets the first midfield spot, because I have a defender next.
1: Well, do you want to go with that one then, Chris?
0: Yeah, it's David Um, Uh Alaba. So he has played in defence for Austria in this competition, in more than one position, and he's definitely worth... A shout on the basis that Austria winning matches at the European Championships is absolutely unheard of and getting through to the knockouts of a major tournament hasn't happened for them for decades and decades and I spoke on this very podcast about the doubts that I shared about Franco Foda and stylistically still do um, but one factor that I'd kind of missed was the absolutely top level ability and leadership skills of Alaba and the attitude that he has in playing in a team where everybody else is so massively far below his standard is stellar and he goes in there and he leads and he plays yeah. where he's told to play, does what he's asked to do and he's done really well.
3: I think if nothing else, it's fair to say that he would be absolutely mustered at a game of five a side.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think he would. He would. And that versatility has been really important as well. The pre-match graphics have caused a bit of a a laugh in, in kind of Austrian football circles because they, they never seem to know where he's going to play. He, they put him in one position for the first game and he wasn't there. And then they re- reverted for the second game and he played somewhere else. And being able to do that is huge for nations like Austria who can bring in a, a, a solid, if slightly uninspiring squad into this tournament and have the buffer of that third place possibility for qualifying and get the business done. And being able to drag his teammates up rather than going in the other direction is a skill that not a lot of the other players that we will talk about in this episode will have the ability to show. Probably can, they can do it, but they're all in really good teams. And Austria, not not a great team. They've Chris, done really well, do but think, they're not a great team.
3: Where do you think he'll play at Real Madrid.
0: It's difficult to tell, really, isn't it? Because I I think the absolute best of him is probably left-back, left-wing-back. But whether he fits in there in Madrid, I don't know. Um, Whether they've got designs on him making the Philip Lahm move into central midfield on a permanent basis, I don't know. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see. What else have they got at at left-back at the moment?
3: Uh, Marcello's still there
0: yeah maybe that and he's captain as well Uh, but he is I
3: mean he's he's getting on a bit but yeah um, but yeah they've got you know Carvajal's they've got options in every position I I wondered if maybe that he would I mean he's not a, a holding midfielder in terms of design but I wonder if he might be that eventual cruise. they might turn him into a kind of cruise replacement just to yeah Pass, 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 and and obviously they will see an awful lot of the ball, which is he's used to. Yeah, applying. yeah,
0: they will. It, it's interesting actually because he, he's been absolutely central to everything Austria have done, and he's done it from left back. And he's, he's miles ahead for passes for them in the tournament. Um, only Sabitzer has kind of got a proper claim to be a, a more dangerous creative influence, and he's doing that again from from left back. Um, but he's doing the defensive side of the game to his usual standards as well he's um, second in the tournament for ball recoveries. so his all round game has been you know without really lighting the tournament up has been pretty spectacular in a team that that needs a player of his standard to get them across the line
1: I like that you were sort of too self conscious about being a parody of yourself to pick an Aston Villa player, but you had no compunction whatsoever about picking an Austrian. <laughs> <He
3: doesn't laughs> my Austrian, he's got Savo Milosevic up front. <laughs> yeah,
0: my my affection for Austrian football begins and ends in uh, one stadium in Vienna.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, I am going to go next because I am hosting and I get to decide. So suck it, um, Manuel Locatelli. Um, I, I've basically picked him just so I can gush over his pass in the build-up to the first goal against Switzerland. Which for me, you can keep your Patrick chick, although I may have picked him later. But um, for me, that was the moment of the tournament. That was that was the moment where I sat up and went, "Oh wow!" Because that, that and that was before it even went in the net, and it was one of those passes that was so good that I desperately wanted Italy to score just so I could. <laughs> um, shout about it basically uh, and I'm delighted that it was him that even got on the end of it I did tweet sort of a panoramic view of, of the goal and it, it comes all the way from the goalkeeper in Italy sort of just playing rope-a-dope with Switzerland they pull everyone out to left towards the left back, play it into the centre circle loose ball, falls to Locatelli volleys it out to the right wing um, and then I can't remember who it is, takes it on past everyone, uh, into the box and squares it back across the box for Locatelli to put in. Uh, just a lovely goal. And he got another one later in the same game, which they made, as you will have heard on commentary a billion times, was the first time he's ever scored a brace for club or country. Um, He didn't play in the third game for Italy because they, they rotated. And to be honest, I was torn between Locatelli and, and Jorginho because... You know, when really when you look at the stats, as as is often the case with Jorginho, you may not notice him during the game, but then when you go back and look at at the numbers, you realise what a massive influence he was. But you just I can't look past a player who is doing beautiful things and scoring goals. Possibly for the first
0: time, I actually have noticed Jorginho. (laughs) I think he's been excellent. And I mean to the eye as well, you know, rather than just looking at the data. It's the first time I've actually kind of sat down and, and and admired what he's doing on the ball. Lovely. Dan, who have you gone for?
3: Uh, I've gone for Jorginho Wijnaldum uh, who has had a strange couple of months in that his contract was obviously ending at Liverpool and it became the kind of unspoken truth that he wanted to move on Um, whether that was because he didn't think the contract off he was getting was good enough, whether he just fancied another challenge or whether he fancied playing rather than as a kind of Glorified midfield shuttler, which is incredibly harsh on what he does at Liverpool. But you get my point when you then watch him play for Netherlands. And maybe he wants to do this at club level because he has been phenomenal in this tournament. Is this this kind of roaming, attacking marauder who invariably ends up on the edge of the box, willing to take a shot? And he's scored three times in the tournament already. He is the Dutch captain. He is there what what he has there is the 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 security of, of delict and De Jong as a kind of spine behind him which massively helps and gives him the license to, to move forward but it's just this I think we all knew that vin could do this but watching him do it just makes you realize just what a complete footballer he is he he, he did some of this I think at Newcastle albeit in a in a far lesser team I remember him scoring four against Norwich when he just everything he touched turned to goals and he's been a bit like that in this tournament and he just looks like the weight of any club rumour is now put to bed he's got the move he wanted to, to PSG which depending on how charitable you're being is either a brilliant payday or an attempt to win the Champions League again and he just looks like he's having so much fun in that Dutch midfield
1: yeah he's I think you're absolutely right I think any other team, well not any other team but a lot of other teams other than Liverpool who, the three central midfielders as you say, they are given quite a specific job to do where they're expected to make an awful lot of of sacrifice um, to their own individual games and I think you got it exactly right when you say we've always known he's capable of this and I think a lot of Liverpool fans have been frustrated that there have not been some more occasions where they've said go on Genie, go and Go and do what you can do. You know, we'll 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 carry you a bit in this game if you want to just sort of bob on and um I hope we do get to see more of him doing that because he's such a, a joyful footballer and he's got a lovely smile as well. Um so it's nice to see him smiling, isn't it?
2: Ryan. Um I can profess to have watched every minute of this competition. Um I've seen all of the highlights and I've seen quite a few of the games, but I I discovered quite early on that Ewan's appetite for Rewatching full games the morning after um, is quite low. So, uh, but my the single the single best performance a single where I've seen a player um, grab a gra- game by the scruff of the neck and win it for the team was Luka Modric against Scotland, um, and I think it's been the single best performance of the European Championship so far, um, or certainly ones that I've seen when. When his country needed a win to get through to the knockout stages, when they were, you know, you know it was it was basically a, a playoff between them and Scotland. The winner got through, and and the loser didn't, and a draw really helped neither out. Um, Modric stepped up for Croatia, and this this isn't the Croatia team that reached the the World Cup final in 2018. Um, I checked back through, and and five of the players that started in that final started in this game. So there's everyone around them um, is is different, and even then you take out. Players like Mandzukic and Rakitic and, and their replacements aren't to the same level. Modric was still able to um, be the difference maker. And and I watched the Croatia-Scotland game because my wife is Scottish um, and we decided it would be much more entertaining than anything England served up. But it, and it was really good. Modric was the totally the difference between the two teams. There was a lot of endeavour and a lot of hard work on, on both sides and, and they were creating chances. But he was just... A little bit well in fact a lot bit better than everybody else on the pitch. And I think Ali McCoyst would agree with me too.
1: That finish was beautiful, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just so so calm, so collected, and there's nobody else on the pitch, I think, that finishes it, tries to finish it like that and is able to pull it off. Um, it was it was really good. And he was he was really good for the whole for the whole game. Rakitic is what you get if you let tennis elbow go unchecked. (laughs) So
1: we've got Modric, Alaba, Wijnaldum, Locatelli. Who are we going for?
3: And the second position to sort as well. We do, that's true. I mean, I don't mind having a... I don't know. I
2: I... I like Spinazzoli and and Wijnaldum, I think. Yeah, me too. That's what I was going to say. I don't think it's it's Locatelli. Yeah, I think Chris made a really convincing argument for Alaba. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'd... I,
3: I like mine, and then I heard Chris talk about Alaba and yeah. thought, well, are we picking a five-a-side team here? Are we picking the five best players? Or
0: Well, that's a choice, isn't it? Because uh, to, to me, Spinazzola and, and Aldem are the obvious answer here. But
2: yeah, but uh, Del- Delighton and Alaba will probably do us a better job when we play our mythical five-a-side tournament.
3: Uh, I mean, obviously, Spinozola and Aldem are my choices, therefore I would lean towards them, but...
1: Cool. Well, I think I would go for Spinazzola um, and uh, and Wijnaldum as well. To be honest, uh, and do I get to make that decision as host? Have I just done I, it? I, I
0: think like it's I it's fairly universal. Really, Alaba just is is the perfect component. player
3: to come on every five minutes anyway. When someone's breathing out their ass, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The glorious irony
0: it. in this, of course, is that we're going to be asking Junior Rinaldin to uh, sit a bit deeper. <laughs> 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 oh well. Wow
1: um right uh in our fourth player then i'm gonna go fourth i'm sorry i'm gonna go first because I don't have a huge amount to say it's cristiano ronaldo he's scored the most goals some of them have been penalties you've still got to score them um i think to be to be fair to be top scorer at thirty six is he is he now um in that group penalties or not is um is pretty impressive work and you know our our dear departed colleague david hartrick god rest his soul uh he's he's not really dead don't worry um as far as i know as um pointed out that he's basically a sexy kevin davis these days ronaldo is that is not dave although yeah and um (laughs) i think that's slightly harsh i can see where he's coming from because he can't although he's still quick he can't do it over the 90 minutes can he um but yeah you can't argue with that goal scoring record
3: yeah, and I mean the 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 moment of the tournament for him is that goal against Germany, which admittedly comes you know eventually in a pretty heavy defeat, but just that desire to get from one pit, end of the pitch to the other is that fire is not burning out any time soon, is it? No. Yeah, he is 36. I've
1: I've checked. Don't worry. We had it right. I could have just let it gone uncommented on, but I just wanted everyone to know that I was right. Uh,
0: Chris. Uh, My midfielder here is a player who I've criticised a lot. And actually, I'm not very fond of him at all. And he's kind of my go-to for taking a piss out of the uh, arrogance and streaky nature of uh, the modern superstar football player. And it's Antoine Griezmann, who has completely turned on its head everything I thought I knew about him as a footballer in this tournament. He's playing in this wonderful free role that's been mentioned by commentators. Um, and what I like about it, I think, is um, I don't fancy him much as a when, when he's relied on to be the main outlet for goals. But in this role, you see incredible work rate, he's defending deep when he needs to, he's tracking back, he's tackling like he means it. He's never not running and I I think he's been brilliant. For for me, he he might be my player of the tournament so far. Uh, He scored a really good goal uh, against Hungary, which was a classic kind of midfielder arriving late to pick up on a loose ball and, and stroke it home. He's nowhere to be seen when that ball goes forward. And it's just the energy of his performances in, in all of these games has been phenomenal. And he's doing both sides of the game really well. He's, he's massively influential defensively and off the ball. And he is also France's leading chance creator in the competition. It, to me, it's a complete tournament for him so far. And I say that as someone who would look for any reason to mock him, slag him off, abuse him, anything i keep kick my hands on. And I can't, he's been... Super.
3: I think that what you say about the free roll is really interesting because people, I think, interpret free roll as you don't have any defensive responsibilities. And I'm sure there are some attacking players, maybe not at an elite level where you don't get away with it, but if you drop down a bit, where a free roll means I can just stand halfway at the pitch and wait for the ball to kind of come to me. Whereas he's basically the opposite of that, isn't he? he his yeah. free roll is I will go and hassle and Harry and press... Whichever player I feel is appropriate to do so, because I'm tactically aware enough that I'm not going to just pick the wrong option. And then, as you say, when he gets it, he he invariably does something with it.
0: Yeah, he does. He's sixth in the tournament for tackles. One Griezmann. Wow, incredible!
3: You're arguing. Yeah. You're arguing well today, Chris.
0: Yeah,
1: he is. Have you ever considered going into the law?
0: I, no, I have not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: worth considering lawyer knee. uh ryan Keeney.
2: um i've gone with renato sanchez because i'm thrilled to see him back i guess um and, and after his season at Lille and and everything it's it's really easy uh to forget that 2016 was such a whirlwind for him um he i think he'd only broken into the benfica team in 20 at the end of 2015 had a really good end of the season with them, was called up to the Portugal squad as a bit of a surprise, as a bit of somebody to, to gain experience, and then ended up being a young player of the tournament and, and one of the shining lights for them, um, winning the winning European Championships. And since then, um, and, and certainly up to this year, it's been a, a little bit less kind of, it's not the meteoric rise, and he's not the next breakout Portuguese star. Um, the, the move to Bayern didn't go well, and, and even the loan to Swansea. So I'm I'm thrilled that he's he's playing football and, and seems to be enjoying himself at, in in Liga, and he's forced himself into the team um, for this. He he didn't start the first game, he came on um, with nine minutes to go. Portugal were drawing down there with Hungary, and ended up winning three nil. Okay, that you know not all down to him, but he's just been a difference maker. He was so much better than the players he replaced at half time in the the Germany game. Um he came on for Bernardo Silva and just looked to add impetus to things and then started and and played pretty well in in the 2-2 draw to end it. So I'm just I'm excited. I'm I'm really pleased. He's he's one of those players that he didn't make an embed with Maradona 100 because he wasn't playing first team football at the time that we released the list, and then within 12 months he would made us look really silly and, and um, didn't get on there. So, yeah, this is it's kind of it's nice to see these players come back and go through. Um, I mentioned this in the preview pod that there's there's lots of players that aren't here but that we tipped five six years ago because you know they're they're still playing pretty decent football, but they've not had the the huge careers we thought they would. I'm really glad Sanchez has, has kind of found something again um and, and is is starting to uh to cement himself in in this Portugal team.
1: Yeah, where where do we see him going from here? Is he is he gonna be a Jack Wilshire or is it just, you know, he's a little bit too much too soon, and he can come good again. What What do we think? I think
3: he's. I think he's absolutely fine. I think the the one thing. Well, the one thing I hope is that the experience at, at Bayern uh, and to an extent at Swansea, although to to a lesser degree, I hope that that either him or his agent, I hope that resonates with them and doesn't make them rush into a you know, big club X move at the, at the drop of a hat. Yeah, yeah. I, I want his next move to be a a step up, but not necessarily, just like Ryan says, just enjoy your football for, for a bit because you're still so young that it doesn't matter. You, you, everyone knows you've got the tools to succeed at the top level because Bayern wouldn't have bought you without them. So just enjoy your football for a bit.
0: I thought it was really good against yeah. France and I was. it was nice to breathe a sigh of relief for him. Because mm-hmm. there was just nothing about that performance that made me worried for him anymore. It's just, oh, yeah, that's, that's, you're going to be fine. As Dan says, you're going to be absolutely fine. His physique is better, is it not?
3: Yeah, he, he looked, well, he, I, I don't know what it is. And this is just a cliche to say, but he looks so much less raw, both in like his physical actions and how he's thinking about what he's doing as well. You know, he was, you know, he's basically picked it over Bruno Fernandes. For that last game, that you know was crucial for Portugal, they were going out at one point in that game, so that's a huge fillet for him, and suggests that there are people close enough to him that see he's matured mentally and physically that he can he can do it for ninety minutes now if he needs to. Yeah, there's a
1: bit of Memphis to pie in what you're saying there, Dan. I think isn't there with the career trajectory that you know getting that big move so early on off the back of sort of a lot of a lot of hype and then just falling a bit short and having to, both of them have gone to France and, you know, obviously Depay's been in Ligue 1 for a while now with Lyon and and done really well and, and I think he's now sort of starting to fulfil the potential that led Manu to sign him in the first place and obviously he's got that, that move to Barcelona. Yeah, I mean,
3: I, I think the diff. I mean, I don't, you know, I've not met Renato Sanz so I've not interviewed him, but I, I, the question is, There's no doubt with Depay that his confidence will propel him on through issues. Um, I, I think the doubt with Sanchez for a while and what's so pleasing about the comeback is that I think we doubted for a while whether he did have that confidence, whether it had kind of half broken him that year or two years. This is evidence that it hasn't. It doesn't matter if he comes back stronger. The fact that he's come back to this level at all is pretty sensational.
2: Can you imagine um, letting Dan away with the phrase? I've done. I've not met him. I've not interviewed him yet. Three or four years ago, is he like <laughs> is Dan a proper journalist now? Is that what we've we accepted? I,
1: I think he's proper. Yeah. No.
2: Is that where you've been, Dan?
3: I mean, I've not left our village for about sixteen months. So when I say I haven't interviewed him, I've not interviewed <laughs> anyone but my partner. So. Well.
1: If you're lucky, Renato Sanchez will come strolling through. <laughs> <Ramston>. when, uh, <laughs> who have you gone for though, Dan, having just mounted a a, a good case for someone else? Uh,
3: I've gone for Emil Forsberg, who I, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to get into this team, but is a player who... Uh, uh, there are players who I've liked watching more at this tournament, but I don't think there's been anyone who I felt has surprised me, and yet when I actually look at it, I think, well, he shouldn't have surprised me. He plays for RB Leipzig. He plays regularly in the Champions League. He's been in the Sweden squad forever. Um, but he ha- he seems to have taken it on to a new level in this tournament. And I think he's taken it on to a new level because he- he's the leader of that team now. He's having to drag them on. There's no Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Alexander Isaac has been really good in terms of link-up play and creativity, but not quite done it in the penalty area. So Emil Forsberg has waited on the edge of the box and said, don't worry about it. I'll score three goals in this tournament. I mean, he takes penalties, which helps, of course. Um, But every time I see him, he he normally starts on the left. And yet every time I see him, he's somewhere in the central midfield, either driving forward with the ball or demanding the ball so he can do so, which is something that I think most of us or all of us really like in players. Um, Sweden are a better team than they were in 2018. I'm not saying they're, they're going to go further and reach the semi-finals this time, but they are. Uh, they won't be as passive as they were against England in 2018 and were against Spain in the opening game. And they've really clicked since then. It was as if, I mean, they have managed this tournament superbly in terms of complete defensive unit, 15% possession against Spain, get the 0-0 draw, and then we open up and went through top of the group ahead of Spain, which is no mean feat.
1: Yeah. I think that's uh I think that's a, a great shout. I mean Sweden, uh, just in general, I don't think anyone has has quite seen come in and, and them getting ahead of Spain has suddenly turned what we thought was gonna be the, the hard side of the draw into <laughs> suddenly what looks like the easier side of the draw, but when you've you know, obviously they're there on merit,
3: aren't they? Yeah, yeah they are and and, and they they are one of very few teams in this tournament who Partly because through necessity, you know, Italy have been brilliant and they've not had to play any other way, but they're one of very few teams in this tournament that have succeeded in games by playing pretty much two completely different systems or styles of play. So they've they've pushed forward when they've needed to and they've scored goals when they've needed to and when they needed to completely shut the game down against Spain, they did that as well.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Sweden have benefited. Well, certainly in kind of the the football universe I exist in, of people not paying attention to their second and third games. So I think the opening weekend, the first round of matches, everybody's watching everything, and there is this huge enthusiasm. And then, kind of slips in the second round, and 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 then in the third round, everybody was watching Spain win five nil. So not paying attention to the fact that Sweden put out a, a good Poland team, like Poland finished bottom of that group, and they beat Slovakia. Um, that yeah they are yeah, I, as you said and I don't expect them necessarily to go much beyond the quarterfinals but I I put them as heavy favourites against the Ukraine who um, have been a bit meh in their, their three games and they'll be a decent challenge for whoever makes it through the England-Germany match
1: Right, are we going with Griezmann for this though realistically? Yep,
2: yeah we
0: are Lovely Sweet the only other guy, yeah, the guy who deserves a mention here that that hasn't been picked is probably Hoiberg as well, who's just come on leaps and bounds from that first game. Really yeah, he, impressive couple of performances. He's
3: one of those players who, for Spurs, I if I have a flutter on a game, I'll always back in to get booked. And yeah, <laughs> at Denmark, at Danish level, he seems to be like Van Alden Actually, he seems to be a completely different player for them.
1: There we go. Honorable mention. Uh, Dan, I will come to you as we start our fifth and final round. And
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly confident on this one. Being in our team, I've gone for Romelu Lukaku, like the parody I am of of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, yes, I've been banging that drum so long that the neighbours have put in an official complaint, but uh, he has somehow stepped up his game again, I think, in this tournament. Despite it being it often being pretty hard for him to do so, I think you know Belgium were wretched in the first half against Denmark, and they left him isolated, and he looked like the the Manchester United Romelu Lukaku, where he's kind of pointing where he wants the ball, and it, it never quite appears, and then when it does, he's he's so anxious to try and do something that something goes wrong. But if you get players around him now, he is um, a phenomenal finisher, and he is a phenomenally creative forward, and he does is this kind of one man band of Football centre, centre forward ship because he, he, you know, the way he runs the lines and then, you know, he runs a channel, he'll hold off a, a man, he'll look up, he'll beat another man, he'll play someone in. And then two minutes later, he's in the six yard box finishing chances. He's just got it all at the moment. And uh, it's a slight shame to me because I, I really would have liked to see him win the Golden Boot this tournament. I think Ronaldo is. Probably way past him now. Although although those two strikers do face each other in the last sixteen, um, he has he obviously he he hasn't taken penalties, not scored penalties, so that doesn't help. But just the all round game is phenomenal. And he, as I say, he's done it without De Bruyne being on the pitch for some of the time, without Hazard being. I still don't think he's fully fit, and he's carrying a nation on. And the other thing I would say is, it's. International football can be quite easy to pick up goals now if you are a very good centre-forward in a very good team. But boy, his international goal-scoring record is something to behold. 63 (laughs) international goals now at the age of 27 or whatever. 28. 28, is he now? Yeah, 28. I don't know the date, but I think it's May. Um, (laughs) There would be a restraining order if I knew the date. I guess May the 13th, but I don't know. I, I know
1: Dan uh stories so I was about to say. Michael Owens, the, it is the thirteenth year. Is it? Right? Yes. Um, there you go. <laughs> Knows his birthday. I know name. I know Michael Owens off by heart, but that's because he was my favourite player when I was eleven. Well, well the thing is, <laughs> Whereas... Romelu Lukaku is my
3: favourite
1: player and I'm 36, so. I was yeah, I mean if he hadn't given us that that ridiculous goal-scoring record I was going to prompt you for a ridiculous Lukaku goal-scoring fact. So I'm glad you have fulfilled your contractual brief. You are now free to leave the podcast, (laughs) should you so wish. Uh, Yeah, I think it's hard to argue against Lukaku, isn't it? Does anyone else have anything else to say before we move on? Ryan Keeney, then, please. Can I have your pick?
2: Uh, So I have got born on the 19th of December, 1987, uh, (laughs) Karim Benzema, um, who yeah is is leading a line for the favorites for the tournament and and doing it pretty well um he's he scored a, he converted a, a good penalty uh, but his <laughs> second his second goal in uh, his second goal in the draw um, against Portugal was possibly one of my favorite goals of the tournament so far to run in the channel um get the right side of the defender and then finish it so well um into the, the bottom corner. It just yeah, it, it's such a good goal. Um such a good finish.
0: And is it been... better than converting a good penalty though? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah
2: it is. It is better than converting a good penalty. Um but you know, it dispatched it with a plum. Um and yeah, he I think he's I think he's had three good games. I think there's a reason that Olivier Giroux has only played fourteen minutes so far. Um I think Benzema has been um yeah has been really good for, for France leading the line and 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 staying busy while, admittedly, not not being in, involved in as many goals directly as he he would like to have been at this stage.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't I can't stop tittering at, at the good, good penalty. It was a good penalty. I, my, my brother recently sent me what was basically my first match report, which I wrote at Euro '96 when I was nine, uh, and there's a line in there: uh, Shearer's great penalty goal was one of the best in the tournament. <laughs> So there we go. Benzema's a great penalty goal. Certainly was one of the best. In fact, it was one of the best in the tournament. There's been some proper shit penalties this summer, are not there? Just a few. Yeah. I mean, I almost picked Gareth Bale until... Uh, <laughs> was it Dan piped up in the chat earlier and said, no one's picked Ronaldo. We should probably, should probably <laughs> pick Ronaldo. Um, right. I am going to go next. Uh, Patrick Schick, uh, a man who shares my first initial and the first five letters of my surname and so I've got an an instant liking for him already. Um, he has scored the goal of the tournament. He's one of a handful of players to have to have got to three or more as well already at the group stage um, and he's done it while playing for and I'm aware I might end up eating my words here but what looks like a, a relatively like adequate but not much more than that, Czech Republic side. Um, he's not a player I was sort of, you know, super familiar with, familiar with coming into the tournament because I barely have time to watch Premier League football these days, let alone settling down to watch Bayer Leverkusen um, of, a, of a of a Tuesday evening. But um, yeah, he's been very impressive from from the get go, um, and uh, and we'll always have that goal against Scotland. Chris, who have you gone for?
0: largely on the basis that I knew that Dan would pick who he's picked and therefore would have this one locked up (laughs) I've gone for Memphis Depay in front of Insigne who is there or thereabouts for me as well. He's a player I love very much and I watched him at at PSV when, when he broke through there as a youngster obviously going to Man United, didn't go so well for him there and having not seen him that much since he left England I'm now watching a 27 year old leader who's so vital to that team who, as we've acknowledged is one of the better teams in the tournament so far he's on his way to Barcelona having rebuilt his career after that, that spell at Man United and I like watching him play I like to see him doing well and I'm just absolutely delighted for him he's got a couple of goals um, officially one assist although I think it was his safe shot that led to a, one of album's goals as well and he's been involved one way or another, the past, before the past, and what have you, in pretty much everything the Netherlands have done well in this tournament so far. And I'm just chuffed for him. I love watching him play. His style is exactly what I want to watch, and he's performing at a really high level. He's not scoring at Ronaldo or Lukaku levels, but not that everybody shit, can.
3: Then. It, I, what I like about Depay is that he he hasn't. He hasn't completely changed as a person, has he? He's not, um, he's not lost that uh, kind of colourful side of his personality that got him so much stick, unfair stick in Manchester. When the yeah. reality is, is that the move just didn't work out. But he has slightly softened the edges of that enough that people take everybody takes him seriously and says, "Well, hang on a minute, yeah, you actually you are good enough to play for Barcelona now." So. Uh, there is no doubt about that you are you are definitely better than Martin Braithwaite and you are better than Usman Dembele in his kind of stop-start fitness and form so why shouldn't you play for Barcelona and as we said with Sanchez you just absolutely chuffed that he came through what was a pretty difficult time and he didn't he didn't let it get to him and kind of kick out about it he just got on with it and kind of, without being incredibly disrespectful to, to Liga and football, and I'm about to be, kind of took his penance of having to go to a non-elite-elite European league to to show what he could do again.
0: I wasn't going to go too far into it with, with Depay, but he's um, a player who has been through some difficult times before and after Man United. Um, and he... Gets a lot of stick for his his lifestyle and what have you. But he's, he's a player who's had to have um, support around him at various times in his life. And when it all boils down to it, he is a young man who loves having a ball at his feet. He loves his music. He loves his weird motorbike things that aren't motorbikes. And he likes hanging out with his mates. He's a good boy.
1: He is. I mean, I, I first mum. saw Memphis... T- I first saw Memphis Depay play, it was after the end of the 2014-15 season and my wife and I were on holiday in the Netherlands and we thought, well, while we're here, we'll see if there's any football on. And they were playing the USA in a friendly, um, which the USA won um, 4-3, having been like 3-1 down with 15 minutes to go or something like that. But Depay was, I think he's his move to Man U had just like that week started to come together um, or had just happened or it, it was, you know, it was known basically that he was on his way to Man U. So we already had sort of one eye out, out for him, but we didn't need to. I mean, he was the star player on the day. And, and with you, Chris, I think he is a player who you like to see playing, you know, with a smile on his face because that's when he's at his best.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he's, he was brilliant for PSV. You know, before he got his... Um, proper household name level break at the World Cup in 2014. He was amazing for PSV. He really was. It was such an obvious signing for Man United. It doesn't feel like it in retrospect, but it was a tap-in for them.
1: We're going for Lukaku though, aren't we, yeah. I presume. Yes. Magic. So that is our five. We have, in goal, Huddersfield Town <laughs> legend, Danny Ward. Uh, we have Spinozola as our defender. We have Wijnaldum, as our midfielder. Antoine Griezmann is our fourth player. And Romelu Lukaku, for probably about the 427th time in Football five's history, has made it in up front alongside Griezmann. Fantastic. I think we've got a good team there, haven't we? Should do all
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's a team with enough attacking talent that England, even against just five, would definitely sit back a bit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i mean to be fair we're asking an awful lot of danny warden um but we know he's been if he continues playing as he has been then uh then we're fine that's why he's in the team lads it's been an absolute pleasure we will hopefully have david Harchick back with us for the next one. Um, if we can get all five together, then uh, that would be even better. I think we, have we managed it once? Did we Maybe. do it for a quiz once? If something? we get all
0: five together, Ryan's editing it.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> a good shout. Um, yeah. Lovely stuff. Here's hoping the rest of the tournament is, is as good as, as, as it has been so far, because I think, as you, we mentioned earlier, that first round of games was, was, you know, absolutely stunning. I thought, and, you know i think it's i think when you get to the two games at once it becomes a little bit more difficult to follow for obvious reasons because you're following um two games at once but i've really i said before the tournament when we did our preview show i don't think i've i'd ever been more excited for a summer summer tournament and for me it has lived up to the hype i don't know about you guys
3: yeah it's a shame ryan's doing it sort of half-arsed
2: really
1: but, Sorry, yeah, well, trying
2: to parent as well, Dan, mm-hmm. I do apologise. I, 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 I've, I've, really I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I don't get the criticism of the format. I don't get the criticism of 24 teams. I think it it, it changes how some teams react to games, but I don't. there's not necessarily been a, a really drab match where I've gone, oh, this is a real victim of the, the yeah, 24 teams. Yeah, I've
1: I've not found it, to be honest, I bemoaned that constantly on the preview show and I've really not found it to be an issue in this tournament, to be honest. Like, I think we'll see now we're in the knockout stages and things might be a little bit cagier, perhaps. Maybe it'll come home to roost, but I quite like the way the draw has sort of spun out. I think there's some... Some really compelling games there, not least England versus Germany. Um, we should touch on this briefly because, I mean, by the time people listen to this, it's possible that England have already lost on penalties. But are England going to lose on penalties in that game?
3: Uh, I, of all the games, and not and not just because you know I am an England fan, I I, I cannot pick it. You know, I, I, I we haven't seen what we'd like to think is the real England yet. I think partly by through nerves and partly through design and we haven't we've seen about seven different versions of Germany in the group stages albeit in a very hard group but you know if if the Germany that turns up that beat Portugal 4-2 and England are as passive as Portugal were for periods of that game we'll get walloped but if the Germany turns up that played Hungary well we should progress with relative comfort if that such thing exists so I have no idea yeah, it's.
1: Uh, I, I'd agree with you. I mean, th- I would imagine that England would come into this probably, possibly even slightly more fancied. Weirdly, despite the fact they've not really turned it on, um, I think a neutral. Well, let's let's ask a neutral, Ryan. What what do you think? <laughs> uh,
2: I don't. I don't think England will lose on penalties. I don't think it'll go that far. I, I Dan has kind of hit on the head that the Germany that played against Hungary was really disappointing from a team that wants to then advance in the knockout stages but the flip side of that is I don't I don't think we've quite seen this England team click and I don't know if there's enough time to figure out what that it what's required to do that whether it's just actually a better opposition and, and a situation where England can play to their strengths and use that pace and get a chance to hit teams on the break. um yeah I don't know yeah uh click place for Poland by the way
1: um but uh, yeah, and and just quickly before we go, who do we think is going to win the tournament? Now we've seen the group stage, and why is it Italy?
0: Is, is that what happens?
2: I still think it's France.
0: Yeah, same. The team that comes it's out of the blocks like this falls away, doesn't it?
2: Loses on penalties.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean that that quarter final, which is Italy, Italy or Austria, and let's with respect to David Alaba, let's say Italy against Belgium or Portugal is going to be an abs. Well, the, that, that last 16 game is going to be a humdinger. And then, yeah, that's just the one that worries me for Italy. If they then get... Uh, I picked France-Portugal final at the start of the tournament, which now, for obvious reasons, cannot happen. Um, but I think a France-Portugal semi-final makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I picked France before. I've sort of slightly wavered on that. But, yeah, i I really don't know. I, I, I have loved that Italy team. Um, but um I mean Spain started really poorly and then had that massive win at the end of the group. I, I really think it's a very unpredictable field still. We'll see how it goes. Thank you for joining us everyone. We will where can you people get us on social media, Chris? It's at F T B L fives. At F T
0: B L fives Pod on Twitter, I think. Ooh sack me as host never doing this again I don't know that for sure to be honest
3: <laughs> I think you're right Chris. well
1: well there we go um does anyone else have anything to add goodbye bye cheerio,
3: cheerio. bye bye